Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your joy. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm going to invite you all to open your mouths and to praise the Lord this morning. And I'm going to call Sebekeira Rabahasinsa. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your timing. Yes. Thank you for the invitations that you give to us. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for cute electronics. Thank you for. Oh, So what will happen is that it will be interpreted in the preaching. But these words must enter this atmosphere. You see what's on the back of the wall and in the front. The season like a land that wanders from place to place and, and lands in your midst to change your atmosphere. That land, that season has come upon us. And today, open ears to hear. Not the dull hearing of the flesh. But he who has spirit ears. Spirit, 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 spirit to spirit. Not flesh. Spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. My word is spirit. To your spirit. Spirit to spirit, not to your flesh, not to your flesh, not to your flesh. The joy is not of the flesh. Glory to God, glory, 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 glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, give God. Go bete brings go bakaste. Give what's up brings, what's up give to what brings. And shall go give brings also for Gusta. Mahila da Sandra Bogodi and Dandra Bogoda give brings, give brings. Ishapotosko Romana. Hela no Mara Bogo has us in a. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yes. Ho Yes. 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 My promises are yes. And it is so. Yes. And it is so. Yes. 
because it's sharp. Yeah, meanders, meanders, meanders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes! We'll cut it through. Glory to you. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you. Glory to you. Oh, rest, 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 rest. Enter in. Hallelujah. Rest, 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 rest. Enter in. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you. 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 And I thank you. I thank you. I heard the apostles say trust, yes. And rest, yes. And seek, yes. And find, yes. But what are you going to do with it when you find it? Hallelujah. We praise you, God. Lord, I thank you for the word that has already gone forth and that we will receive as it is interpreted and opened up in your scriptures and opened up in our spirits. And I thank you that the skeptics are silenced. And I thank you that the doubters will probably become powders, but what they will not be is victorious in the areas where you have already decreed and declared that which is so. We bless you, praise you for what we can look and see what we can see when we look with the eyes that are perceived. I thank you for a dispersing of clouds and fog in brains and vision and hearing. Every hindering spirit, deaf, dumb, blind spirits that have been assigned to this house that we call for the angelic to cancel their assignments in the name of Yeshua. I speak that spirits of poverty and lack and deception, that the assignments against this house, this day we confront them with the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the living word of God and tell you you have been turned aside for we are already owned and we claim the power and the presence of the spirit of truth which dispenses with all deception we speak that we are enriched from the inside out, which causes poverty to fall and crumble. We speak that the word of the Lord is alive and active and filled with power, and it is going between, dividing between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and that it is, an, it, it looks at and it reveals the intents and the purposes of the heart, and it does the surgical strikes that need to take place to remove that which is not of God and to fill it with yourself. And so everybody is laid out before you, exposed in our intentions, exposed in our inner places, even when we want to turn and hide. There is nothing that is hidden from you. And tonight and today and tomorrow and every other moment in this hour and beyond, in the moment, in the moment. Change. <coughs> Excuse me. In this moment. The opportunity of a lifetime to be who God offers you to be in this earth. To be the seed that he has desired to plant to cause the flourishing of the nation. The invitation to have what you can never get on your own and the world cannot give it to you. 
to take hold of divine assignment and destiny and purpose and fulfillment and all the cute little words that we use without knowledge. He will bring understanding. Opportunity for your lifetime. For your lifetime. <laughs> to see the addition of years, not just years, but powerful years, flourishing years, yes. effective years, yes, yes, yes. manifested power in those years, expansion of years, elevation of years, according to the will of God, the eye of God, the ear of God, the mouth of God. Opportunity of a lifetime. Don't miss it. Glory to God. And the fear of God came upon every soul. And if it didn't, you better go get it. He says, you don't love money. You love God. You love God. You don't love money. You don't love things. You love God. You love God. You love me. Me. You love me. You don't love my stuff. You love me. You prosper because of love. He prospers you. Because that's what he loves to do. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Father. I thank you. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Father, I present myself before you. Whatever you want to do, which you've been doing, but I submit. I go where you want to go. And we're going to do it the way you want to do it. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. Hallelujah. All right, before I start the other part of what I start, good morning, everybody. Hallelujah. So good to see you. We're going to look at something uh, that happens in the lives of many, and it's not intentional, and it's one of the worst things that could ever happen to you because you're blind. First Samuel chapter 15 is a, a passage of scripture many people were familiar with because it's instructions that were given to a king. But it's something that happened in this in this thing, and this is this is not where uh, I, I prepped for, but I, I impressed. That the Spirit of the Lord says, I want to get this part out because then it will open up your hearing to everything else that, that is going to be said in here. And, and that the provision, Jesus said, Peter, Satan wants to put you on trial. He wants to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you so that afterwards you will be able to restore, you'll be able to minister to many. And I want to say to you that the Lord is saying the word that he has, many people will, will have been brought under 
this kind of deception or walk. But he's saying, and so Satan has been accusing you, but I have prayed for you. And so the words have already been released into the atmosphere that give you the grace to to pass out of this, to come out of this thing, and to get this thing out of you. It says that Samuel, I mean, I'm going to read it out of the King James, verse 1, 1 Samuel 15. Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now I want you to obey. Pay attention to the voice of the words of the Lord. You should write that down. I pay attention. I obey the voice of the words of God. Because, see, this is what he was told. Now, this is a prophet coming to a king. This is a, a, a person that is who spends his entire life listening for what God wants to say and then saying what God wants said. The prophet cannot just go in and say what they want to say. Now, they can, but they're out of line. And, and th- that's between God and them. And I put God first because they didn't. They will find out. But the prophet's assignment is to speak for God, what God once said, and only that. Especially when you're talking about a nation, and he's saying this is the overall, overarching plan of God for a nation that you helm, that you, in order to effectively uh, rule, you must hear from God. No matter what level of life you're on, in order to be effective in your calling and your assignment, you must hear from God and you must obey God. It's not one or the other. They are two sides of the same piece of paper. And so he set him up, or here you go, he said, I want you to hearken, which is that lovely King James, Obey, hear carefully, and respond appropriately. Hear it with the care, with the honor, with the reverence, with the respect that it is you are hearing from the highest authority who sees what you do not. Do what he tells you to do. And so, this is what the, the initial instruction of the prophet is. Obey the voice of the words, the words of the Lord. And this was not the, the, the what we call the rhema word or the logos word. This is the bar, the speech, the utterance, the business, the occupation, the matter, the case, the manner. You listen to the way he has it presented before you, and you don't change a thing. This is really, I'm emphasizing for a purpose. So then he said to him, now, I've set you up to tell you how to listen to what I'm going to say. Before I even say it, I'm telling you how to receive it. You're set up to receive the way God wants it received, because then you cannot help but get the results that God wants. See, in the whole thing, mankind, in Christian, Christendom, or whatever we call it, the church, 
We too often want to hear from God to get God to get things going the way we want them to go. And that's never been his intention. It's not a part of the plan. I want it to go this way. Well, he doesn't. I, this is how I like things. Well, he doesn't. This is how I want it. Well, he didn't say that's how it would be. And so to get into that, to, to, to consider that, it seems like a little excessive. Well, so is dying on the cross for you. And me. All right. So I've told you how to hear. I've told you what to do. I'm telling you how to posture, as people like to say, posture your attitude. I'm telling you how to put yourself in position because the next words you hear will be the instructions that you need for this nation. Okay? So he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember what Amalek, Amalek did to Israel and how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. I remember what you think I forgot. I remember how you were slighted. I remember how you were uh, deterred. I remember what the adversary did to you. I remember what happened to you in your childhood. I remember what happened to you. And now in this season of your life, when it is imperative for you to break through the way I want, I am responding. All these things, you think God never let, he let people get away with stuff. You have wasted years. Focusing on the wrong thing. Focusing on flesh and what, what the actual perpetrator tells you to keep thinking. It's not the way of God. And so he says, I remember everything. Now, in this season, I'm sending you out to go and get the victory. Go smite them and utterly destroy all that they have. Everything they've touched, contaminated and claimed and worshipped other gods with. I don't want any of it. I want you to go in there. I want you to utterly, get that, utterly, absolutely, completely, uh, without any hesitation and without any uh, thought of covetousness. Capture something that is dedicated to something special and destroy it. He says, all that they have, and don't spare anything. Slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Everything. And your humanistic thinking is that, oh my God, he's killing the babies. And he's doing this, and he's doing that. And you're missing the point, aren't you? He said, destroy the seed so that it won't grow ever again. Come on. 
So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Siloam, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And he came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. So far, so good. Now the question that we have, that we're going to get the answer to, is how did Saul take the instructions? Did the king obey the prophet who spoke for God? Because the lives of a nation depend upon it. Or a church, or a family, or a corporation. Minister Dury is talking about consulting. They're going to pay him, but are they going to do what he says? If he gives his own opinion, flip of a coin. But God is speaking. Then the doorway to victory has opened. Will you take it? Will you go in? Now, that's the same question that's posed in this room. How are you hearing what is being said? Are you stuck on the babies? Are you stuck on maybe God would still kill? Are you stuck on that stuff? Or are you going to keep moving? That's right. We'll find out, won't we? So he smote the Amalekites. Or he said to the Kenites, um, verse 6, Go and depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah through uh, to you come to Shur over against Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive. And he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Does that line up with the instructions? No. Hmm. But the king was given a direct word from the prophet who spoke for God, right? Okay, now, something's going on in his mind. This is what has hindered us as well. When we get a word, now I, this, this, this passage of scripture actually set me free. About, what was it, the beginning of this year or late last year, I saw myself in King's Hall. And I saw his issue. So I'll give you the opportunity to see it as we go, even though I am going to tell you. But if, it, if you resonate with this in any way, you can be free today from a lifetime, of continu a lifetime and patterns of continual bondage and misery and failure. So, verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag Okay, which, by the way, his name means I will overtop. I will overtop. I will be above. And he was. They spared him and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all good. And they would not utterly destroy them. But everything was vile and that was vile and refuse or trash 
that, they destroyed utterly. Now, the king set a precedent, and the people, the nation, followed it. Because the king spared the king, the people spared the best of the spoil. Things that God considered to be utterly contestable, okay, and vile. They didn't. They only destroyed what they thought was vile. They only destroyed what they considered to be worthless, trash, refuse. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, we got a situation here. Because what we have is two mindsets. Opposing mindsets. Though actually, one is opposing the other because one has been established as the only way to go. So what you have here is a case of rebellion and disobedience. All the things that connect to the mind, that connect to a pattern of behavior and a desolate outcome of loss. Because from the beginning of this, he was set against hearing what God said, because God's not here. So he doesn't know what I'm experiencing. And I get that he doesn't see it the way I do, but I'm gonna help him. <laughs> you don't need that kind of help. All right, so that's the situation. And Samuel is someplace else thinking everything is fine. Because I gave you the instructions. And what did you do? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it, I got it. Yeah, but. Yeah. But you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yes. Yeah, yeah. Whatever those cool things are people do. And he went away. We got this. It's, it's all right. We're gonna do. We're gonna do what the Lord said. But we're gonna do it how we do it. How we do it. This is my style. You ever have anybody come to your house, use your stuff, and do it differently from the way you do? Oh, yeah. And yes. then you tell them, no, this is not how you use this. Oh well, I like doing it this way. It's like I don't care if you like doing it this way or not. Here you don't. And you know what that sounds like? Well, that's very harsh. You take my hopper stuff and put it in the dishwasher. I don't put it in the dishwasher. I wash it by hand. And it's so pretty. <laughs> well, you know, at my house, I do it this way. But when you go home, you do that. Here, in the sink, it'll be washed. You don't have to wash it. I'll wash it. <laughs> but you don't come in and change my culture with yours. This is not a place where the kingdom, your kingdom, will prevail. I just love going to my mother's house, looking for stuff. She didn't let me look for mics anymore, so I was like, where are you? Where are you in the house? Because, you know, I'm still that kid. Ooh, you got this? Oh, this is pretty. Oh, I like it. Where did you get this? This is nice. I was like, my stuff alone. Come back in here and sit down. I mean, like, I have to go to my mother's house. Sit down. I have a seat. Sit. <laughs> because I'm very inquisitive, and I like her stuff. 
That's fine. She doesn't mind that, but don't look at my stuff to covet it. And don't look at my stuff with that little sad, well, it would be nice to have that one. So don't come to my house with witchcraft, manipulation, greed, or any other thing. If you want something and I'm of the mind to give it, ask me for it. And if it's, uh, if it's, it's my, already in my heart to do it, it's yours. If not, you know what? The awesome thing is that she already knows and you got stuff coming. Wait for it and walk away with joy. Now, if I'm going to do that with my mom, how much more with my father? Hallelujah! Are y'all with us? Oh! All right. So we could go on with that, and we will, but let's finish this part first. So Samuel is going about prophet's work, and he gets a call from heaven. Here he is minding his own business. And he gets a call from heaven. A direct line, direct communication. <laughs> and the Lord says to him, you know what? And this is not, uh, this is not a good conversation. This is a conversation Samuel never wanted. And it isn't even about him. God says, uh, I... It repents me. It, it, it does not comfort me. It actually grieves me that I have set up Saul as king. I've come to that place in Saul's life. Obviously, this was not new to God. This is the place I did not want to be. And he said, it grieves me that I have set up Saul as king, for he is turned back from following me. He was going along. The Bible says, you were running a good race. What hindered you? What bewitched you that you would suddenly stop doing the things that, that God said? Having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? What, who bewitched you that you would turn? from walking in the way that I told you to walk, to do your own thing. What happened to you? And what happened? Well, let's go keep going. So, he has turned back from following me. And that expression, turned back, it is, um, let me go down here. It means that he's died to it, that he has repaired the broken down places, the bridge. You know, when you, you burn a bridge, he's repaired the path that it takes to get back to where he started. He's found a way to walk away from the things of God. He's found a way to go back to the old, and he's no longer pressing into the new. That's the idea. This is what God is saying. And, and so why would that grieve God? Because, because uh, uh, Saul was a, was a naughty boy? How about because of the destruction that it's going to bring Saul now? That's right. How about God is grieved when we turn away because he knows what's coming, that we refuse to hear the warning? God never said, I'm so excited. This, this, I never wanted him to be king anyway, so now I get to destroy him. No, no he's saying, 
He's just opened himself up for all the destruction that was set up for him. And he's chosen it instead of choosing me. And he's still going to be king because God did not remove him. Remember, God didn't remove him it, it physically from it. He simply removed himself. And left him to what he wanted to do. So here he says, he hasn't performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. So if you don't think there was prayer going on in intercession for the king, this is what it was. But the king had made a decision that caused God to have to make a decision too. This is what it means when a nation is judged. This is why the cries and the prayers of the saints and the turning away and getting it straight is so relevant. This is the importance of the tithes that many in the church think are optional, but it affects a nation. That's right. This is why the obedience of our giving, in our giving, it has to be we love God, we don't love money. Okay, so we're going to keep going. This is really a very happy message. Yes, it is. So Samuel, so he says, and it, it grieved him and he cried. So verse 12, so Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, because it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, oh, wow, hey, it is so good to see you. He did. Bless it, you know. Ah. Blessed are you of the Lord. Now, this the next thing he says is not a joke. He said, I have performed. I mean, I'm so glad. Mom, you're home, and I've cleaned. And you got the wet rag, you know, the job of, I know how to clean a kitchen. I really do. I, I know how to clean, period. I was raised to do it. Many different ways that the lessons came across to me. I concur. <laughs> same, same, same spirit, right. So, here I've washed the dishes. There's soap all over the counter. The dish rag is, you know how, I don't know how they get in that weird position that they're kind of twisted. But it's wet and it's just kind of been laid down. There's dirt on the floor, there's still a glass on the counter, and the table's not wiped off, but mommy's home, oh, okay, and I'm in my room playing, he's like, hi, I thought I told you, that. I did, I cleaned the kitchen. On whose standards, love? Well, it's clean enough for me. It's good enough for me. It works fine, as far as I'm concerned, this is the level of obeying I want it to be. So I did everything I had in my mind to do. Look at this and tell me what's wrong. As far as I can tell, nothing. Do you not see the, the dirt on the table? Yeah, but the table's in the dining room. I, this is the kitchen. Two steps <laughs> from the counter to the table. All right. Do you see the dish rag? Yeah, but the dishes are washed. I was the dishwasher. You didn't have a dishwasher. I was the dishwasher. 
So. Yes, I think I was five. Yeah, because I was. I remember being the chair being pushed up to the sink. They <laughs> put you up on the chair, and you had a you know the. I my, I still have one dishpan. Mine is red, but you know you had the dishpan, and if you didn't have a dishpan, you know what we use a big pot. And you had to, so I learned from an early age. I'm very well trained, and I actually surprised. I like washing dishes, so whatever. Anyway, uh, here's the fun I had with the, with the fort, the nurses and the doctors, the forks and the knives, things like that. So anyway, my standard of clean, this is fine. I washed the dishes, and the kitchen didn't look bad. So we should be fine. This is the attitude. This king, he says, well, I did. You know, I, I obeyed the Lord. And, and uh, Samuel said, uh, uh, yeah, I've performed the commandment of the, of the Lord. I have performed. I've done it. And Samuel said, then what is the bleeding of the sheep in my ear and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? I'm in a place that's supposed to be desolate, blood spattered, and very smelly of the smell of death. I'm supposed to smell your victory. I'm supposed to smell the defeat of the enemy. But I'm in a place where it doesn't smell like the defeat of the enemy. It smells like your defeat. Wow. I'm in a place that is not meeting the expectation that obedience would have. Obedience has a picture connected to it. And when we do it, the outcome looks like what God intended. It doesn't look like what I intended. It looks like what God had in mind. And the continuation in it brings about the fulfillment of something that God desires that I'm going to really like. But I don't know that yet because I can't see what he sees because I'm looking through another set of eyes. Okay, And so what happened is... That Saul said, well, oh, that, the, the sheep? Well, see, the people, we, they brought those up from the Amalekites because the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen because, you know, we needed something to sacrifice. We have to give, not bring, you And, you know, to the Lord, we got to give God the sacrifice, the sacrifice. You know we always give a sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> we were thinking, you didn't say it, but we were thinking about it. It's like, hey, we need to do this. This is going to be, we, what are we going to, we can't just kill everything. What about the sacrifice? Yeah. So, you know, we brought that up because we know you never want the worst. It's always got to be the best to give to God. Right? Say, I'm young. Hello? Prophet? Uh, yeah? Hmm. Well, um, but we, we utterly destroyed everything else. This is, this is, we killed everything. We got rid of it all. Oh, except this. But all, everything is gone. This is different. This is, this is the part that God didn't tell us, but we know he wanted it. So we got it for him. And he says, uh, Samuel said to Saul, stay. Shut up. Be quiet. I'm going to tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. Oh, okay. Say it. It's going to be good. 
right? Not feeling good about this at this moment because you are not responding on the level of what I expected you to when I just told you I obeyed God. You should be a lot different. Something's wrong here. That's what's got to be going on in his mind. But you know what? Dude was clueless about what the problem was. He was absolutely clueless about it because of something he did not allow to change on the inside of him. That's right. That's right. Okay. It wasn't because the communication wasn't clear. It's because of how he hears and how he sees. Okay? And what he thinks. So he said, when you were little in your own sight, You weren't the head of a tribe of Israel, but the Lord anointed you king over Israel. You weren't even in charge of anything. You were literally pulled from the ranks. And the Lord sent you on a journey. This is, this. This is your adventure. This is your assignment, journey, your assignment. And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them. And so they too do, this is consumed. And this is where y'all know these little funny things. You had one job. <laughs> That's this. You had one job. Only thing you needed to do is go and kill everything. Which part of this is you? One job, dude. One. Go kill everything and everybody. Leave nothing. Destroy everything. That's your assignment. Utterly destroy it all. Got it? Yeah. Yes. I got it. Okay. Wherefore then, why then, if you got it, yeah, 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 I get it, I got it, then why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. See, you don't see disobedience as evil in the eyes of God. That's right. He says, you, you see it as just, God just needs to loosen up a little bit. He's a little uptight. Probably needs to get some of the angels to massage his shoulders a little bit because he's a little uptight. Haven't you ever thought that way? Chill out, God, relax. Oh, no, not me. Well, I did. So, okay, all right. And now, you did evil. Why, why did you fly upon the spoil? And why did you do evil in the sight of God? This is sad. Verse 20. Saul said to Samuel, but I, yeah. <laughs> I have obeyed. Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I've gone the way the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Arguing. See, I did do it. I did. See what I did? I killed everybody and I brought this alive. He's not getting it. Nope, he's not. This is where I was. And I pray that some of you, this is starting to open. My definition of obedience was to do what I thought best, not to do what God said. I can't tell you the number of eating plans I've been on that I obeyed the way I thought they should be obeyed. Spending plans, this plan. We got a plan from God. Sure we have it. But, you know, it didn't really come from God because he didn't send it to me. He sent it through somebody. So 
I'll do the parts that I believe I hear from God too. And I'm gonna do things the way I think best that fits my style. That's not called obedience, that's called rebellion. Having a different opinion from that of God about how God's things should be handled or done. Woohoo! <laughs> He said, I've done what you said, but the people, I'm the king. I'm in charge. <coughs> I'm over everybody. What I say is law. But the people took the spoils and the sheep and the oxen. And you know how these people are? And the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, they took them to sacrifice unto the Lord, your God, in, Israel, in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Do you think he cares about that more than he cares about you obeying his voice? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Do you think that the way I do the things God said is as pleasing to him as it is convenient for me? I like last week, Pastor Lindsay, you were talking about Jesus and things were, the way things looked, and it was so powerful, and it blessed me so much. I'm so glad. It blessed me too. This blesses me, because this will free us, and it frees your money, and your families, and our nation. It frees it all. If the nation is free, so is your family. So he says, do you think that he prefers you disobeying to do a sacrifice more than he would love you obeying him, period? You see, to, I want you to look at something he's telling him. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to hear him is better than the riches, the, the fat of rams, the richness of a ram. All the money you got, all the this, all the that, all the, I'll, I'll give you a portion of this, Lord, but that's not the portion I want. I want the first. That's what he's talking about. I, I don't want, I want the offering, but the offering is for something different. I want the obedience first. That's the time. I want you to obey what I put in your heart. And I don't want you to listen to those that don't want to obey. Don't you understand that when somebody teaches something in error, many times it comes from a place within us because we don't want to do it. It can be taught from rebellion. Right. It can be taught from ignorance, and it can be taught from deception. Sometimes we just blew it, but we go back and we say, hey, I taught this wrong. I was incorrect. And I have to bring correction to myself. And so I'm doing because I taught it incorrectly to you. I correct it before you as well. In case you have taken a wrong teaching and started trying to build something in your life upon it, I am responsible for the word that I release. Right. That you hear it come from the integrity of heart. Got it? Mm -hmm. So here he says this. And he says, see, rebellion, 
the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Because I have people, well, it's not witchcraft. It says, no, you don't. It's, it's the sin. That's what witchcraft is. It's using powers <laughs> illegally. When God has said, I am the way to come, and you say, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. That is the sin. That is the, what encompasses this. And he said, and stubbornness. So he told him what he had. You are rebellious and you are stubborn. And this stubbornness, what he's talking about, is you're going to keep pushing arrogantly against what I've told you to do. You're going to push and insist on things going the way you want them to go, regardless of how I have told you to do it. You will forget, just like that, what I said, as soon as the opportunity comes to disobey, you're going to do it. Because it's in you, because you won't get it out. Hallelujah. Now the powerful thing is, we have the blood of Jesus. And we can get it out. And it's, it's, it's simple. And wherever this is hitting you, good. Let it hit, so that it, it will change us, alright? And he said, but because you have rejected the word. There it is. You've rejected the word of the Lord. So, God has rejected you as being king. And of course, he went on that downward spiral. So I said, wait, wait, hold up. See, I have sinned. You're right. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I've sinned. Ooh, because you know what? I've sinned because I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Oh, my God. I have been totally wrong. My, I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And your words, because I, I feared the people, and I obeyed their voice. Well, you just didn't make it better. Because <laughs> you still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So listen, forgive me, okay? Yeah, I screwed up. I totally screwed up. And uh, turn again with me so that I can worship the Lord. Mm -hmm. He didn't take it. That's right. He didn't, it didn't break him. It didn't bring repentance. It was, I'm sorry I got caught. So let's just gloss over it and let's keep going. It didn't enter into the place of piercing to say, I really don't know how to do this. Humility. Submission. A refusal to continue in the way that he has. And a complete turn, a rejection of the past and a receiving of what God has offered. That's the opportunity that's before us today. You can completely reject your ability to reject God and his word. You can completely embrace loving him the way he is worthy to be loved. More than you love the mess that you keep creating and the drama of the thing. People are prone to worry because they kind of like it. It makes you important. It allows you to be seen by others as having a problem. Why do you think soap operas have been so good for people all these years? Because you get to turn and find out what's going on on this story, that story. They called them the stories when I was growing up. My grandmother had to watch her stories before anything else happened in the house. You know, from about 11 o'clock until 2 in the afternoon, the stories were on. 
And that was the way things were going to be. When, it was, when the stories were over, even on college campuses, they would gather to watch certain shows because it's like, this is a hit. And all of the, in the dorm rooms, you would hear the same TV show being on because then they're going to gather together to talk about how treacherous this one was and how terrible. Today, it's even gone further, and they have these uh, housewife stories and these bridal stories and these reality shows where you get to follow some celebrity or pseudo-celebrity celebrity around to see how they do life. And then what do you do? You go and talk. People used to, I used to work in a place where they'd have uh, the day after a certain show was on, they'd all meet for lunch to discuss the thing and talk about, well, they should have done this and this should have happened and that should have happened. And everybody are these armchair quarterbacks and everybody's got a, an opinion about how somebody should live their life and their own life needs attention. Hey. Hey, I know. All right. So, end of story. And if I hit you, I don't know about it. I don't know about it. I don't know what anybody does. I honestly don't know your TV watching or any of it, but I'm going to say this to you. This is when the Spirit of the Lord says, you reject my word. Now, I'm talking. You know, you think two hours or four hours is too long to be in church, but you will sit in front of a television set or a video game or both or get caught up in a movie or something that will take the same amount of time. You will focus and let those words come or watch the news. Pay attention to all this other stuff. Four hours with God's word. Four hours listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And he said, I've got things to say. And I want you to hear. But you want to hear what Satan is saying through the drama of this movie and that thing and that. And then you extract one little thing and say, well, I did hear the Lord because he told me this as I was watching four hours, the marathon of my favorite TV show. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're going to replay it. They're going to replay it from the very first season. So we got to see it. You know, it's eight seasons long, 12 seasons, whatever it is. And so it's marathon time. Well, how come you don't marathon the word? It's not the same. You're right, it's not. One gives you power, the other depletes you. Hallelujah. That's simple. Moving on. Okay. So <laughs> that's really all... That was really it. It was just to tell you, Saul lost it all because he never changed his opinion of obedience to God's definition. And when I found that out about myself, and I saw, I saw my, as I told you before, I saw myself in that. And that was it. So you don't have the slides that I do um, purposely, really. But what I'm talking about, you can write these down and pretend you have them. They're not there. So the first one that I would be talking about, and what all of this led to, is how you're going to hear that the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I want you to hear it from the way I see it. You know how you see it. Everybody has an opinion and, and, and fingers and toes and all this kind of stuff, right? Everybody has, right? Do you have your own opinions? Say yes, because you know you do. All right, good. How about you, but do you know God's opinion? So he's saying to us, I'd like you to hear it from my perspective today. And just see how I see it. And maybe it will give you the boldness to change from how you see things to how I do. Um, I'm also reading from this little book here that it was really funny. This man said, um, people that have acquired a lot of wealth, but they don't use it to reverence God first and then help the needy around them 
Everything you do with your wealth is to reverence God first. And through that, it will be the helps. You see, everything is Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom in how I think about. I seek the kingdom for the way to think about the things on earth. I need to have the operation of the mind of Christ at work in me. Because if I don't, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take on a different, I'm going to try to operate by flesh the works of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why he said, you're not intimate with me. You come out of it feeling really great because you sought after me with your soul, with your flesh, and you experienced and counted little things and thought, oh, that's great. But you never, you were intimate with me because I am spirit. And if you're going to intercourse with me, which means talk, then it's going to be a spirit-to-spirit connection. Your spirit did not get anything out of this. Your flesh did. Your mind, your will, your emotions did. You felt better because the Lord told you how all those people are against you and you shouldn't worry about it because, you know, you keep treating them the way you are because I'm with you. You believe because your spirit, you came out refreshed with everything that you want to do being corroborated that that's what God is telling you to do. It's like I talked to God and I talked to myself and I came to the understanding that this is what God is saying. Did you talk to anybody else that talks to God? No, because I don't want the people in my business. I didn't tell them nothing. Can't trust them. Been there. Been there. And so what did you have? Well, you had the God that of, of, of your, 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 your slab of meat, your God, your internal God that was not the true God. And you found scriptures that supported a statement that you already had. And then you said, I talked to the Holy Spirit, but you never said he talked to you. Because, I mean, I just kind of did, all right, here, you know, this. so I'm going to do that. Sounds good to you? Yeah, cool, thanks. Conversation closed. Did you want me to talk? No, I didn't need to talk to you. I just need to talk to you. I didn't need to hear from you. And that's how we have conducted our lives. Because of what our family, our friends, our co-workers, society, social media, blah, blah, blah. Because everybody else has put forth an opinion, but the voice of God has not yet spoken to me. And until he does, nothing changes. But when he does, everything will. And that's our mode of operation. So um, he said um, it, there was no balance. The rich man... In the Bible, uh, when Jesus was talking to to that rich man, um, he said the rich man had, this is Matthew 19, uh, 16 through 22, the story I'm referring to, that rich man had a rich pocket, but a poor mind. He did not have a balance. This is what Jesus was talking about from this one. He didn't have balance between what he possessed in the earth and what the will of God was for what he possessed in the earth. He thought he had everything for his own purposes. Never thought about the fact that my supply comes from God for God's purposes. I have a lot of stuff. But if, if, if I've acquired it for my own bigger barns mentality, then that means I have a small mind and a small kingdom mentality. All right. You with me? So um, in this next 20 minutes, I'm, we're going we're gonna to hit this, 
and, and we'll just keep hitting as we go. So a rich pocket, but a poor mind. A big bank account, but a small opinion of the will of God. A bigger opinion of family, friends, and all those others, or of myself, than what I have of him. Will lead me in error doing just like Saul did, staying in deception, never coming into the light. I'll hear eeks and possibilities, you know, a little something might have leaked through, but overall I didn't hear what he had to say because I don't want to hear what he had to say. I want him to hear me and then do what I tell him to do. It's flipped. It's flipped. Because of your past, because of the voices that keep speaking to you, voices that you have the power and authority through Jesus to silence, but you keep telling me and everybody else about what they said. But you never tell them what God said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why you were under the power and jurisdiction of the opinions of family, friends, and, and so and society. As opposed to walking in the truth of what God said and letting them think about you as they may. You're reading the press after the performance. You need to stop. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So he said, Hey, Jesus never said you don't have to be rich so as to inherit God's kingdom. No, he never said that. Here's what you have to do. Everything from prayer, study, and meditation on God's word, conversation with the Holy Spirit as you're reading the word, really letting the Holy Spirit, Dr. Baker tells us this, all, read me, examine me according to the word, not to demolish me, but to demolish the things that are trying to destroy me. Examination is to identify what is in you that doesn't belong, to extract it so that you will walk in the wholeness and the health and the freedom that you say you want in everything. Most of us, even if we have something, it's not enough and we're scared of losing what we have. Which means it has you. That's right. Okay? You got to get this part about money because, and I'm, everything I'm saying, he said, you're going to do these things. You have to pay attention to how you talk. I hear people in passing, poor mouth, poor mouth, poor mouth, always talking about death, bringing on old stuff, cursing yourself over and over and over again because you think it's funny, but it won't be funny when it manifests, will it? Oh, man. Because there is somebody listening to you in the spirit realm saying, oh, yeah, I can do that for you. I can do that for you. I can do that. But it's not your angel. No, not this. Okay, so um, why do you have to do this? Because you're going to have to, you ready for this? Yes. Flush that poverty mentality out of you. Flush that persecution mentality out of you. Flush that victim mentality out of you. Flush that rejection mentality out of you. The expectation of evil has to be flushed out of you. And it can only happen by hearing what God has said and obeying his voice. And I mean, when I find an area where I got issues, we are going to put the light on that thing and expose every bit of it until it is gone. This is my focus because when I because when you can see it, do you understand? It's not just that you can have it, 
It's that there's grace to overcome is in you. The ability, I I can, you know why I can help individuals, I can tell people how to lose weight, I can help people with exercise, because even, even if I physically don't look like the results that I help others to get, the reason is because the, um, the empowerment and the calling and the anointing to overcome and crush that thing is at work on the inside of me. And if, it won't, if I won't let it work in me, it still works through me. But the powerful part is to let it work through you so that you have not only that authority over it, but you work in it in such a way that it happens quicker and quicker and quicker because you are the manifested example of God that his word works through you, his grace to overcome is what I'm talking about. It's the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When some kind of affliction comes on you or tries to come against you, that is, to me, it's a message. You have grace to overcome this thing. You have grace to destroy this thing. Because if it tried to come against you, then the empowerment to crush it is already rising up on the inside of you to meet it at the door and to usher it away from you. But most of us talk it in, say, come on in, have a seat. You're going to be here a while, so I may as well just get used to you. It rises up like a barking, <laughs> I don't call the Holy Spirit a dog, but you know how people who have, um, they have those uh, guard dogs, or you have an alarm, whatever you want to say, it lets you know something's coming. The Spirit of the Lord lets us know something's coming. Look up on the horizon, I don't see anything, keep looking in the direction that I tell you to. Get ready, something's trying to come. You're going to meet it at the door. You're going to meet it before it even sets ground on the property. And you're going to let it know it doesn't come here. It doesn't even come here. Put the patrol out. Loose the angels to do what they're supposed to do. Do not lie in bed with your thumb in your mouth or someplace else crying about your life. They don't like me. My kids, my kids, you were worshiping the wrong thing. Even when you have nothing in your pocket, nothing in your bank account, nothing in your refrigerator, nothing anywhere that shows that you're moving forward, you are still the same child of God that you've been from the beginning. And everything that you need to change the situation is in you lying dormant. But you can awaken and stir that thing up. Even when you've got nothing, you've got everything. You have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have everything that speaks to the health and the wellness of your body. You have the words. You have his promise. You have his blood. You have his name. You have his spirit living on the inside of you who is able to rise up to the occasion. You've got resurrection power all the time, whether you release it or not. You are always the head and not the tail, even when you're living like the tail. You are always above and not beneath, even when you live like you're beneath, even when you live in scarcity, even when you choose poverty, even when you choose sickness, even when you choose disease, you are still the healed. You are still the one that is wealthy. You are precisely what God says that you are, even when you don't live it. That's right. You're still
still seated in the heavenlies, even when you're frolicking around in your flesh. God's not the one that changed your position. That's right. You changed your point of view. That's right. Which means you can change it back. That's how powerful you are. What the doctor said, what the nurse said, what the what the bank said, what the it doesn't matter. That's what they that's what they're paid to say. But Jesus paid a price for you to say something else. Are you getting this? And tithing is the obedience, okay? Um, so the road, everybody says and everybody I read, the road to financial prosperity, the road to life prosperity, the road to kingdom wealth. Kingdom wealth in, involves everything. It's wholeness. The road to Proverb uh, to, to Third John 2, beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It all starts from your, say it, mind. Your mind. Because your mouth is going to speak what you're thinking. Your, your mouth releases the power of one realm or another into your life. So, tithes, offerings, alms, first fruits. Here's the attitude about the ministry. We talked about this. Joy, good cheer, peace, generosity, and gratitude. Joy, I'm saying it so that you can write it down. Good cheer. Peace, generosity, and gratitude. These all flow from you. They don't come from the outside into you. They are released from you. You already have it. I don't have joy. You do have it. You just haven't released it. You do have it. Because the Bible says you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's a part of it. So you got to have it. You're not, you don't have to run around, I need to play this song to get my joy on. And my, no, 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 no. I know, okay, you know, you don't, you don't. But what you're going to have to do is put the, you're going to change your thinking about it. I, I don't know how many of you, because I, this is not really where I was going to talk today, but I don't know how many of you have been walking around filled with self-pity. You feel so sorry for yourself. You are so miserable. And people are miserable around you because you're stuck on you. I hate having to say it. I really do. You can get unstuck. It's like a piece of chewed up gum stuck on your head or your, in your hair or under your shoe. And it's wet and it's gooey and you're, you know what? It's like, what, 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 why? What is it about you that fascinates you so? Especially in the arena of your troubles and your sorrows. And the hint was the word fascinate. Because the word fascinate speaks to hypnotic trances. And if you are fascinated by yourself, you're looking in the eyes of a serpent at your at everything 
he's done. And he's marveling at how effective he is in hindering you, and he's using your eyes to do it. I was just fascinated by it, yeah. Captured, enticed away from looking at truth. Truth clears your eyes, fascinating. Being fascinated keeps you in a trance, and you're focused on it, but you're not focused for good. You're building an expectation of more wrong. And then, of course, there's something wrong with everybody else. And what a victim you are in your marriage because you got a mean spouse or, or y'all let the world get in between your covenant. In our relationships, in our church, the world got in between our covenant, one with another, the one that was cut by God. And instead, we're caught up in differences but covenant is saying the embracing of the differences is the strengths. I'm in covenant with you. Your strengths belong to me. My strengths belong to you, you see. Not, you see, so cute. Not, not you're causing a problem for me. I am just so over this. You know, it's just, I, I just need to get rid of you. You can't. Same blood. That's right. Same blood. That's right. You understand? The giving plan we talked about, we're going to go into that, speaks of things that are renewable, reciprocal, and receivable. When I give, I give for things to be renewed in my life, things to be reciprocated, give and it shall be given. Receive, I give, not, I give to these things, I give to God and God causes me to receive where he wants me to. It's a part of a trade. This is kingdom trading. I'm doing the part that God wants me to do for God to be able to do what he wants to do. You see, he's got it all planned out. That's why it's, I want his plan. So what do you, for instance, let me give you an example. What do you plan to do with one dollar? Spend a dime. Oh, so you said spend it on what? What kind of things can you do with a dollar? Because most of us think it's just a dollar. So you go through the 99 cent thing and find six, seven cents or whatever change and get something for a uh, uh, a dollar through the drive-thru, or what do you do with a dollar? Huh? Give it to the homeless. Okay, yeah, I can give them a dollar. What else? Paper towels. Okay, let me answer the question for you. The same thing that you'll do with a hundred. Same thing you'll do with a thousand, and so forth and so on. You're going to do the same thing with one dollar that you do with every other dollar. So, see what I mean? And I did hear, yes, a dime, because out of the dollar is a dime, sure. And that's the tithe and so forth and so on. But the overall is what we're talking about, how you think about it, how you think about one dollar, how you think about, if I had a hundred dollars, if I had a thousand dollars, if I had a million dollars, I swear, if I had, you had a million dollars, you still wouldn't tithe if you're not prone to tithing. That's true. Because that's a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, my God. Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? It's not $100,000. It's the first tenth that belongs to God. It's the king's portion. It's the part that multiplies the rest. That's right. But it's honor more so than any of the rest of the stuff. It's honor and obedience and a bowing. And it's an invitation to God to be involved in wow. your finances. You, I tithe off of everything that I, I want. So the spending plan 
You have a spending plan. You have a giving plan. You have a spending plan. So do you use your spending? Do you plan for the things to consume, to invest, or to sustain? We're going to come back to it. You even have slides at some point, okay? Um, to invest, to consume, but I have five minutes to do this. So um, the saving to give plan is what I want to talk about a little bit. And then I'll kind of be able to go into it. The Bible says this, deep cost to deep. And so dollar cost a dollar, okay? Dollar cost a dollar. And the Bible talks about cheerful giving and receiving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I've got five minutes. Let's, let's do this. Go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. I won't, I'm only going to uh, read verse 7, but I want us, I'm going to say to you, read um, verses uh, Read verses 6 through 12 to get it, because, um, Lord help me here. Okay. Praise you, Father. Okay. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which is right here. And then, I'm going to start with verse 6. I, I don't want to leave this out. He said, but I, this is what I say. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let every man give according to the purposes, purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that you, always having enough of everything, may abound to every good work. And that you can go on, but that's the part I really... Or as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and supplies bread for your food will also multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So you will be enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which makes us give thanks to God. This overall is what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom finance or the, 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 the um, economy of the kingdom. This is what we're, what, what this passage of scripture is, will be the focus. And I want to tell you, so there are three types of purposed giving, according to that scripture for 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You either give grudgingly, you give of necessity, or you give cheerfully. Right. You have, which Minister Drury um, illustrated this morning, those are three types of purposed giver attitudes and mindsets. It is a mindset that has to be destroyed if it is contrary to the way God sees it. What you think about money, what you have been taught by religious spirits is not God's word. And see, what you think about money is, is, is not as important in your life if you're gonna do this kingdom thing, which you're called to do, as what God thinks about it. What you think about how you tithe is got to line up with how God thinks about how you tithe. Did you really bring the tithe? Because if he's pleased with it, he'll let you know. But if he's niggling at you or you get that, just keep feeling this thing that you haven't done what you're supposed to do, you better go back to him and find out what you're doing uh, or if your name is whatever your name is or is your name actually saw. How are you affecting the nation that you're called to? Not just the United States of America, but the nation of people that you are called to in the society, uh, kingdom society or kingdom um, assignment that you have. How does your current mindset, attitude, words, overall everything affect that nation that you're called to change? See, it's bigger. Minister Dury said this many months ago. The seed is bigger than you think it is, and the harvest is bigger than the seed, right? It's greater, I'm paraphrasing, 
but it's greater. You see yourself as one dimension of just you and your life and your people and your friends and everything the way that you want, but God sees you as a seed to a nation of people. So looking from the wrong direction, that's why he's like, can you get past the past? Since before you had a past, I provided the solution. Before you were even born, you were forgiven. Before you were even born, you were healed. Before you were even born, you were enriched with all things pertaining to life and God. So you have to do is receive what he offered. And when you did that, everything came into effect, which is why we talk about the timeless realm. These things were accomplished before you hit the earth. You were forgiven before you sinned. But you still go get it, and then you change from it. The power to change was given to you before you knew you needed it. Come on now. This is the awesomeness. This is part what the time starts to affect because and we haven't gotten to offerings and alms and first fruits, but we will. But this, am I thinking about the time the way I think? Or am I thinking about it the way God does? Have I withheld from God because of what other people think? And am I going to live the rest of my life according to what other people think? So my giving plan, the generosity, um, he said each one gives as he purposes in his heart. And all those words we get to break down. So cheerful giving and receiving is available to me according to that word. And I wanted to tell you this. Oh, can I tell in the afternoon? I got to share it to you later. So, because um, we're about a minute out. But again, here's a hint. Deep cost a deep. And dollar cost a dollar. Actually, dollar cost a dollar. So what am I saying? I'm saying that even when you choose to give, I want to start this and get it in your head and have you thinking about it. This envelope represents what's bi- something bigger than what's in here. That's right. What I have in here is not the amount that the actual giving is. But this, will call the rest. That's what a pledge does. Not a pledge for y'all to see, but a pledge within me. I have purposed in my heart that concerning a certain thing, I'm going to give. Now, this is when I get to have fun, my personal pledge. I got 39 seconds, so you'll have to leave you on the cliffhanger. Come back in 15 minutes so that you can hear Minister Dury Foster, our Apostle Dr. Baker, and me. Somebody's waving. What am I waving to? Oh, sound the sound, sound the sound, sound the sound. (laughs) And we'll see y'all if you don't go yet. Yes, that's the sound. (laughs) Amen.